0: You interact with people every day, more people than you may realize. Some interactions are quick and might never happen again. Some interactions are quick, but happen pretty regularly. Some are longer and more personal. Some last a lifetime. We don't believe that these interactions happen by coincidence. We believe that each interaction is an opportunity. An opportunity to share the love of Christ with a hurting world. Are your interactions making a difference? We are in... Week three, the final week of a series that we have called Living Pi Squared. And this series has been all about our outreach strategy here at Northridge Church. It's the best way that we have found to come alongside of people that God has placed around us to point them uh, to Jesus. And um, if you're newer to our church, maybe you're here for the first time or you've kind of just been tracking over the last few weeks and you're still wondering, man, what does Pi Squared mean? It just simply means pray, invest. Invite, and that's our outreach strategy. And so each of these three weeks, we've been looking at one of those words. So, week one was all about pray, week two was all about invest, and then today I want us to talk and look at invite. What does it look like to invite? So, right, we've been praying, and hopefully, you have been praying for God to give you boldness, to give you clarity, to give you opportunities, and He's brought people across your path. You've been investing and building relational bridges, building um, a genuine friendship with people, and then now comes The point to say something or to invite and what do we invite to and how do we invite? That's what I want us to look at today. Let me start by just defining, as we think about, you know, pi squared and what invite looks like, this is what we think. It's this, that it's us asking someone to take a step towards God with the ultimate goal of trusting in Jesus. That's what invite looks like. It's inviting someone to take a step towards God with the ultimate goal of trusting in Jesus. And there's actually kind of two parts to to invite. The first one is just inviting someone to take a step towards God. That could look any number of different ways, and that's, that's awesome, and that's great. Here at Northridge Church, the two ways that we say are kind of the easiest invite opportunities would be just to invite someone to come to church with you. Invite them to watch one of our services online. We feel like that's an easy, step for us to take when it comes to inviting. We work really hard here at Northridge Church to make sure our services are welcoming to guests, to people that are new to church or reconnecting with church and trying to figure things out. We hope and and work really hard to make sure that our our services, our churches, our campuses are welcoming to anyone and to everyone. So the first simplest is just invite someone to church. The second one we talk about is inviting them to Starting Point. Starting Point is an environment we have at both of our campuses. In fact, we're actually going to be relaunching them in October. We're even going to, we'll have one at each campus. We'll even have one online. And Starting Point is an amazing environment for people that um, are, again, new to faith, have questions, aren't quite there yet, are kicking the tires of Christianity and want a safe place to work through those questions. Um, Starting Point is a great place to invite in fact, if you'd like more info, go to iwant.info. You can sign up um, right there uh, online to do that. We'd love to get you more information. But that's kind of the first part, inviting someone to take a next step. I actually want to spend the majority of my time actually talking about the latter half of, uh, of this definition of the ultimate goal of seeing someone place their faith and trust. Um, in Jesus. Because really, remember, the ultimate goal of living Pi Squared is that we would have opportunities to see and help people place their faith and trust in Jesus. And so how do we do that? What does that look like? And for some of you, right, that can feel really intimidating, or maybe you're even thinking, like, that's the job of the pastors of the church, right? That's the job of the staff, the leadership. They're the ones who lead people to Jesus or explain that, right? Is that something we all are supposed to do? And that's what I want to try to help us unpack and understand as we go. And when it comes to invite, I think one of the greatest, most effective tools that we can use is to learn to use the power of story. Again, when it comes to this moment, this opportunity where God has set it up and we've prayed, invested, and invited, and now here we have this moment, I think learning to use the power of story can be incredibly helpful to us. Stories are powerful. In fact, you've heard multiple stories throughout this series. Week one, Mark shared the story of his mom who prayed and invested in her lifelong friend, Judy, for years and years and years. And finally, she ended up placing her faith and trust in Christ. Just past Sunday, we were able to see and celebrate with Hannah and Sarah as we heard their stories of how they invested in one another and their friendship uh, helped them grow in their faith and actually take the next step of being baptized. And we got to celebrate that together as a church last week. Stories are incredibly powerful, and every story is made up of words. And if we're serious about living Pi Square, there are going to be some things we must understand about the words that we use and how we communicate. Because stories and the words used to tell them are powerful. Just a few words can do some incredible good. And at the same time, just a few words can create some incredible pain. And we know this. You've probably experienced this, right? Just a couple words can cause someone to laugh to the point of tears. But at the same time, just a few words can also cause someone to cry really painful tears. We all have moments in our lives that are probably permanently etched in our, in our minds because of the words that were shared um, or spoken in, in, during that time in our life. For some, it was, man, the first time he said, I love you. You'll never forget that. For some, it was getting that letter of acceptance into the college or university that you had dreamt about getting into from the time that you were a little kid. Or maybe it was hearing the words, I'm pregnant. Or hearing the words, it's a boy. Um, or you've got the job. Or maybe it was hurtful words. Maybe you'll never forget that time your spouse brought up the word divorce. Or maybe you'll never forget that moment where the doctor walked into the room and he shared the news with you. Or your boss telling you, I'm sorry, we just can't keep you. We have to let you go. Words carry incredible meaning and power. And it's even crazy to think that God allows such power to inhabit our words, but he does. They're powerful, and we need to think about the words um, that we use, and the Bible talks all about this, um, from the Old Testament to the New Testament, the power of our tongue, the power of our words. Just a few examples. Psalm 119, 130 says this, the unfolding of your words gives light. It gives understanding to the simple. So words can give understanding. They can bring light. They can make things easy to understand. Proverbs 16, 24 says this, gracious words are a honeycomb, sweet to the soul and healing to the bones. That words filled with grace, man, they can be helpful, they can be sweet, they can bring healing. Gentle words, humble words, wise words, grace-filled words, when used properly, can be incredibly effective. And as followers of Christ, we've been given this incredible message of the gospel that we are called to go out and to share with the world and the people around us. And the reality is, is that the church... And even Christians as a whole have not always done a great job of sharing that message well. In fact, in our efforts to share the good news of Jesus, we've actually alienated people from the very message they need to hear, the greatest message they could ever hear. And we realize that the gospel will offend. We totally understand that. But oftentimes, it's our approach to sharing that message that leaves people scratching their head like, what was up with that guy? That was a really confusing story or explanation. I couldn't track with him. That was just strange. That was, that was just weird. And it seems to me that if we could find a way to use wise words, helpful words, efficient words, we might just be able to not only change the way people view the church and view Christians, but it's also gonna allow us and help us be prepared as we are living Pi Squared and God gives us these moments to invite to be ready, and to be prepared. So to help us be ready and prepared, there's really two questions I'm gonna present here, and really two stories that I wanna to try to help us walk away today feeling confident that I know how to share it well, that can give us confidence, that can help us feel prepared when it comes to inviting someone to place their trust in Jesus. Uh, I'm gonna present them as questions, and then I'll do my best to answer these questions. But the first is this, how do we talk about God in a way that's full of clarity and passion? The Bible's a big book. There's a lot of stuff in there. How am I supposed to share God's story in a simple, clear, helpful way? And then secondly, how do we convey our own personal faith stories in a way that's humble and interesting? So, that's what I want to devote our time to talking about. How do we share God's story well? How do we share our story well? And remember, this isn't where you start in in pi squared and living, you know, praying, investing, and inviting. This is, again, after you have been praying and investing and you've been inviting and there's a relationship that has been built. Now you have this moment to help someone um, in their own journey of, of coming to Christ and questions that they have to be prepared. And so, I want to talk and look at that first one that God has a story, learn to tell it well. God has a story, and we must learn to tell it well, explaining who he is and what he's done. What is God's story? Um, How do we we share that story? And um, because, again, remember, we should have moments and opportunities to be able to share God's story, and we need to be prepared for that. And when that moment comes, look, here's the good news. You're going to be able to take a deep breath. You're going to be able to, like, you know, your shoulders are going to relax, and you're like, man, I, I remember Nate's sermon that day. I was there. And instead of sweat filling up in your palms, you're gonna be able to relax and you're gonna be able to take a deep breath and you're gonna be able to say, okay, okay, I got this. And look, if you're here at Northridge Church and you're, you're, brand new or you're still checking things out and maybe you're not even sure of what God's story is and this can feel really intimidating to you we just want you to know man we are so thankful and grateful that you are here at Northridge Church that you have found um, uh, a place that we hope is safe and inviting to you and we hope that you'll continue that journey as you think about God's story and you think about your story we're glad that you were here and hope you can continue that journey with us. But God has a story we must learn to tell it well. So let me test your current comfort level of being able to share and tell God's story. So let's say, um, you know, a friend of yours, family member, it could be anyone, right? You've been praying, investing, and inviting. You've been inviting them to church. You've had conversations with them. And they come up to you, say, this afternoon. And they were like, hey, um, I've really been enjoying the services. I'm I'm paying attention, attention to the songs that you guys are singing to the messages that I'm hearing. And I'm hearing you guys talking about following Jesus and what it means to be a follower of Jesus. But but how does someone become a follower of Jesus? What would you say in that moment? How would you answer that question? And if some of you right now are like, oh man, I, man, where do I start? I'm not, I'm not exactly sure where to go with that, that conversation. Good news is help is on the way because I want to give you confidence to, to know how to answer that question well. And I want to give you two illustrations for how you can share God's story and um, walk through God's story with someone. The first illustration would be what we call the bridge illustration. This has been around for a while. It's a really, really great, helpful illustration and, um, Here's how I would kind of have, it. so if someone had asked me that question, here's kind of how I would have approached that situation, and I would essentially just say, man, that's a great question. I would love to kind of write out what it means to be a follower of Jesus, and would it be okay if I do that? And obviously, we would hope that they would grant permission to do that, and then grab a napkin, a scrap piece of paper, anything. I do think it's helpful to, to draw this out to someone, and then I would just say, well, in the Bible, we're, we're told that God created everything. So we have God, and when he created everything, he created men and women. So he, he created us. And uh, one of the things we also know is that there's a gap, though, that exists between us and God. Um, there's this, this chasm that exists. And uh, this chasm exists because of our propensity to want to go our own way, to do our own thing, um, to go against God and his propensity plan and, and will, and the Bible actually calls this sin. And our sin is what separates us from God. And um, so we we have, I think, a desire or this innate, like, man, I want to know God. I want to have a relationship um, with God. And we think, okay, uh, if, if, if I can just exert enough human effort, um, I can repair or bridge this gap to have a relationship with God. So Man, if, if, if I can just do enough good deeds, go to church, give enough, help the poor enough, I mean, fill in whatever good deed you can think of, I can be a bridge or I can build a bridge that's going to get me to God. But the problem is, the Bible actually tells us there's nothing that we can do in and of ourselves. There's not enough human effort that we can exert to bridge this gap. But God recognized our dilemma, he sympathized with us, and in his great love for us, he provided a bridge. He provided a bridge, a way for us to get to him. It's not a bad cross. I've been working on this a lot. First service was a little bit better, I'll be honest. But anyways, this cross is Jesus, This just goes to show you, look, anyone can do these illustrations. Anyone can walk through these examples. But Jesus is our bridge to God. That Jesus was perfect. We don't have to be perfect. The penalty that we deserve was put on him, on Jesus. He took our place. He is our bridge to God. And instead of us experiencing the penalty of our sin and continued separation from God, he instead offers us forgiveness. He offers us grace He offers us mercy. Jesus is our bridge to God. And then I would just say, man, it's one thing to know this, but at some point in our lives, we need to transfer our trust from ourselves to Jesus. And then I would just simply say, does that make sense? Are you tracking with me? Are you you with me? Another great follow-up question would be to just ask them, where would you put yourself in this illustration? And then allow them a chance to answer. And they might say, Man, I'm like way over here. They might say, You know what? I'm right on the edge of of putting my trust in Jesus. But however they answer, that's going to help you then know where to go with that conversation. Um, So that's the, the bridge illustration. There's another illustration. Oh, and there's a verse that goes with this that is incredibly helpful. If it's helpful to you, it actually kind of illustrates what I just wrote, and that is uh, Romans 5.8, which says that God demonstrated his own love for us, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Romans 5.8 is a beautiful kind of pairing of the bridge illustration. The second illustration is what we call do versus done. And do versus done is a great um, illustration to walk through with someone that comes from a religious background. And the way I would kind of initiate this conversation would be to just simply say, hey, I'd love to explain with you the difference between being religious and being a Christian. Um, there is a difference. And the difference between being religious and a Christian has everything to do with the way that you spell it. You see, religion is spelled do. That it's all about what I need to do to earn peace with God, to have a relationship with God, to get into heaven. That, man, it's all about what I need to do. But the problem with the do plan is, well, there's actually two problems. The first problem is, how do you know if you've ever done enough good to outweigh the bad in your life? How do you know if you've served enough, gone to church enough, done all these things? Uh, an example of this would be, say you, you have a job in sales and your boss comes up to you and he, and he tells you, hey, look, at the end of the quarter, you're going to get a huge bonus and you'll get that bonus if you do a great job and you get a lot of sales. And you're thinking, man, that's great. That, that's awesome. Okay, so what, what's the quota or what's the number I need to hit? And he says, well, I, I can't really tell you that. You know, just work really hard and we'll see where things end up at, at, at the end of, of the quarter. Right, in your mind, you're like, What? Like, that's crazy. Like, that doesn't make any sense. That's confusing. Um, I don't even know what the quota is. Well, it's kind of the same thing with the due plan. How good is good enough? The second problem with the due plan is the Bible actually tells us that we can't be good enough. Um, our sin problem is too great. There's nothing that we can do to fix um, our sin, which separates us from God. So that's The problem, those are the problems with the do plan, but that's how religion is spelled. Religion is spelled do, but Christianity is not spelled do. Christianity instead is spelled done. It's not about what I need to do. Instead, it's all about what Christ has already done for me. That Jesus came and he went to the cross, paid the penalty for my sin that I deserve to pay, and instead offers me forgiveness and grace and mercy. It's all about what Christ has done for me. And it's one thing to know this, but at some point in our lives, we have to transition or transfer our trust from the do plan to the done plan. And then I would just say, does that make sense? Are you tracking with me? You allow them to answer, and then I would ask them again this follow-up question. I would just say, hey, has there been a point in your life where you've transitioned from the do plan to the done plan? Religion is spelled do. Christianity is spelled done. Um, And then have that conversation. Continue the dialogue to to see where they're at and if they're tracking with you. But these are two examples. These are two illustrations. You can use them or you can come up with another one. But here's the point. I would encourage you to have an illustration or an example for where you can share God's story in a clear, concise, simple way that'll at least give someone an opportunity to respond to it. Um, and then whatever illustration you pick, practice it. Maybe once a year, you go through it in your mind or you write it out. That way, again, you're ready, you're prepared when these invite moments and opportunities come our way. So God has a story. We need to learn to tell it well. And then finally, you have a story. Learn to tell it well. You have an amazing, powerful story to tell. And let me just pause for a second. Let me just ask you a question. Do you, do you believe that? Do you believe that you have an amazing powerful redemptive story to share because here's why that's true because at one point in your life you didn't know Christ and he stepped in and changed your life and now you have a relationship with him there was a before there was an after God has stepped in and done something in your life and that is a powerful story that we need to be prepared and understand how to share with people around us We have a story. We must learn to tell it well. I love the example of this in the New Testament of a guy who had leprosy. We see this in Luke 5. Let me just read this story to you Uh, in verse 12. The text says this. While Jesus was in one of the towns, a man came along who was covered with leprosy. When he saw Jesus, he fell with his face to the ground and begged him, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said, be clean. And immediately, the leprosy left him. Now think with me for a moment here. Can, can you just imagine what that experience must have been like for this guy who had leprosy? In fact, what do you think he told every single person after he had this encounter with Jesus? Right? I would imagine it would be something like, man, at one point my, my skin was so angry at itself that it bubbled and boiled over and rotted away and fell away. But then I met Jesus and my life changed. I was sick then I met Jesus, and now I'm well. I was diseased, but now I'm healthy. I was the, an outcast. People didn't want me. I was on the edge of town, but now I am accepted because of what Christ has done for me. Look, here's the point. The same pattern is true for me and you. You have a before and an after story, and our job, or really my question to you is, what, what is your before and after story? What's your before and after story? Because our job is to understand that story and to be prepared and ready to be able to share it. And look, I know some of you might be saying like, dude, Nate, come on. Like that story, that guy had leprosy. Like Jesus stepped in and performed a miracle. My story just isn't that impressive. It's just not that dramatic. And here's what I would say. I would push back and say, look, the same grace that saved that leper is the same grace God extends to us that has changed our lives. Our job is to understand what Christ has done in our lives so that we can be prepared to share that story. And look, I get it. I I resonate with those of you that feel like, man, I just, I don't have a great story to share, trusted Christ at an early age, or it just wasn't a dramatic thing. I can resonate with you because for a while, I felt like I just didn't really have much of a story to share, Not, not much of a before and after story. I'm a pastor's kid. I've grown up in church my whole life and I trusted Christ at a very early age. But as I've grown in my relationship with Christ, I've learned that no, I do have a redemptive story to tell a before and after story. And as I've grown in my faith, I've realized what that looks like. And for me, my before and after story is not very complicated, it's not very long, but it's this, that before Christ, my life was all about acceptance. I wanted to be accepted. And I searched for that acceptance in people, my parents, my teachers, uh, my, my, uh, coaches, my peers, anyone, man, that was my God. That was my idol. I wanted to be accepted, but I realized that was a hollow, shallow idol because no one could fill that void. But then I met Jesus and everything changed. And I realized that full and final acceptance can only be found in Christ. That's my before and after story. And look, that's about all people need to hear right out of the gate to hear how the gospel and how God and Jesus have changed your life. Here's some examples of what this could look like for you. Maybe for some of you it was, man, I was striving and I was working hard uh, to earn God's favor, but then I met Jesus and now I found true peace. I was self-destructive, I was in uh, addictive behaviors, terrible relationships, but I met Jesus and now I'm healthy. I was fear-stricken. man just full of anxiety and worry but then I met Christ and now I am confident in Christ what's your before and after story our job my job your job is to understand that so that we can be ready to share that with the people God brings our way Remember the ultimate goal of living pie squared is that we will have moments and opportunities to point people to Jesus so that they in turn can then make that decision to ultimately place their faith and trust in Christ. It's not our job. We can't change them. We can't change their heart. But what we can do is be prepared and be ready for those moments that when we're praying, investing, and inviting, we're ready to be able to share God's story well and share our story well. And. You know, I, I think about this, the community, the city around us here in Rochester, my, my hope and my dream is that, that man, they, they would be able to look at Northridge Church and just say, man, the people at Northridge Church, man, the way that they talk about God is interesting to me. And I find that they talk about God in a way that I can understand, that I, I can relate. I may not fully get it all yet or even agree with it, but I wanna find out more. They, they talk about God in a way that, man, I wanna lean in and understand more. And even the way they talk about their own story and the way that God has changed their life, I want that for me in my life. I, I wanna experience that. I wanna find out more. Man, I believe that that is what God desires for us. And really that's the goal of living Pi Squared as we pray, invest, invite. God will give us those moments and opportunities to point people to him. And let's be a church that doesn't just think about some formula, pray, invest, invite, but this would truly be who we are, that we would want to embody it and live this out in our everyday lives. Let me pray. God, I thank you so much for the gospel, the greatest story, the greatest news of of all time. God, you've entrusted this story to us. I pray, God, that we would feel a, a, a healthy burden to want to share that that story well, a responsibility to share that story well. I pray, God, that you would help us to think through how we can best articulate your story, how we can best learn the the difference and change that you've made in our lives, to be able to share that with people around us. Um, God, so that ultimately we can point people to you, to the grace, mercy, and forgiveness that is found at the cross of Jesus Christ. God, by your strength and spirit, help us to be able to live that out. I pray this in Christ's name. Amen.